Mark's gospel is what we're going to be here to talk about. So we just dismissed kids to kids' table, but um, I'm glad all you adults are staying in here today for the adult lesson. Uh, so Mark is a gospel that we've been looking at, and it moves very quickly. And a lot of you like things to move very fast, because if you're like me, you get bored very quickly. So you need the plot to be changing, you need it to be thickening, you need there to be challenge. And Mark does that for us. Um, I want to start out with a question today. And my question is, ever notice that whenever you're in a panic, have you ever been in a panic before? Ever notice that whenever you're in a panic, it appears as though God is absent? Sit, sit in that with me for just a moment. Have you ever been in a panic, first of all? I'm sure the answer is yes. Have you ever been frightened or, or full of fear uh, almost waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, maybe it was a loss of a relationship. Maybe it was uh, a grade you got in school. Maybe it was uh, a loss of a loved one. But just panic, like, oh my God, how is this situation going to work out? And isn't it uh, uncanny how right in the midst of that panic, it feels like, and a lot of times looks like, God is asleep. Where are you, God? Don't you care about me? Can't you see that I'm in a panic right now? Um, that's our story today, by the way. Mark chapter 4 is where we're at. And this story, there's this storm that happens. And Rembrandt, um, well, we just said that Rennell's doing an art lesson. Uh, here's our brief little art lesson. Rembrandt in 1633 depicts this storm quite beautifully. Oil on canvas, um, Jesus in the Sea of Galilee, uh, calming the storm. It, it's beautiful. Um, it's also quite frightening when you look at this painting that he did. Um, there's a lot of darkness uh, coming over what, what's been painted there. there. There's a lot of terror that you can see on the faces of the disciples as they're in this boat. They're out at the Sea of Galilee and there's this uh, very frightening storm that's taking place and so the disciples are holding on to the sail. Um, I just want to present that's you. That's me. We deal with fear. We, de we deal with panic. And one of the very things that the disciples are going to say to Jesus while Jesus is sleeping in the boat, we'll see in our story here, they say, don't you care? How can you be all-powerful and allow suffering to take place? How can you be so powerful and yet be sleeping? So uh, let's, let's get started here with our story. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. And again, as we read it, I'm inviting you to see yourself in the story. We keep saying that as we read through the book of Mark. Don't just read through this and say things like, oh, I'm so glad that I don't have fear, like those dumb disciples. If I were in the story, I would have really trusted God, and I would have never had any fear. No, no. See yourself in the story. And then watch how Jesus responds to them in their fear. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping. At the back of the boat, with his head on a cushion, the disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? 
Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then Jesus asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. I'm just going to point out a a very small but large observation I had this morning as I was rereading this story. Uh, Very small, but but ends up having a lot of implications here. Verse 35 uh, starts out with, uh, Jesus is the one who leads them to the uh, other side of the lake. And, and that has implications because um, Jesus is leading them right into the suffering. Jesus um, isn't saying, hey, whenever you come follow me, like whenever you become a Christian, become a, a Jesus follower, your life will have no trouble. Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, if you believe in God and you start following me, that all of your problems will be, will be solved immediately. Um, Jesus, notice here in verse 35, he's the one leading them. He knows everything, right? He's already shown us in Mark chapter 1, 2, 3 that Jesus is indeed God, so he knows that this storm is even about to take place. Yet, for some mysterious reason, Jesus leads them right into the midst of the storm. And I think the real quick takeaway for us as we think about an application for us is Jesus wants to walk with you. Jesus wants to be with you in the midst of your suffering and in the midst of your panic and my panic moments. He doesn't just appear in this story. Have you read this story before and as you're reading you just all of a sudden think, well, Jesus appeared when they, when they, when they woke him up and he, he started doing something for them. Don't skip over the fact that Jesus is already with them. And the same is true in your suffering. And whatever panic moment or fear that you and I may have regarding the future. Um, a quick Old Testament reference here, Deuteronomy chapter 31 Moses would have been assuring that Exodus community who had just gotten out of slavery, some 400 years worth of slavery, and Moses wanted to remind those people that God is with you. Deuteronomy chapter 31, he reminds those people, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Therefore, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. This is the same assurance that you have going into your week. All the things that we just prayed for as a community. Um, We should take note here of the the words Sea of Galilee. For for some of us in our translations, our English translations, it says Sea of Galilee. And for others of you, while you were reading it, it said Lake. And you think, aha, this is not a sea. The storm couldn't have been that bad. It's just a lake. You may think of Lake Tahoe or, or whatever. Uh, The words are used synonymously here. The Sea of Galilee uh, is and was uh, a lake. It's uh, some 13 miles long. It's uh, approximately 8 miles wide. Would have taken those disciples uh, around 2 to 3 hours, perhaps, scholars say, to get across the lake. Um, It's like 200 feet deep. And to them, there were wild, weird 
crazy swimming animals uh, under there in those 200 feet deep water that you, you didn't want to mess with. You, you didn't want a storm coming on you and somehow like falling off the boat. Um, the boat that Rembrandt depicts for us is uh, about a 27-foot, scholars say about a 27-foot boat that would hold anywhere from 12 to 15 people. Um, and so, um, yeah, so basically, verse 37 here, but a soon fierce storm came upon them. Scholars are saying cold air from Mount Hermon is colliding with human, uh, humid, moist air of the sea. Therefore, you have these extreme differences in temperatures and pressures. Therefore, all of a sudden, storm can just pop up. Uh, it's like a, a hurricane. So I'm trying to set the stage here for the, the type of storm that these folks are dealing with. Again, go back and look at Rembrandt's depiction of this. They're terrified. They're very afraid. Uh, there's no land in sight. There's no end in sight to the trouble that they're in. Have you ever felt that before? Let's pull it right back to you. Have you ever felt that before? There's no end in sight to my misery. I'm feeling so fearful that it's utterly hopeless. Um, I'll ask another question. Ever notice that when we're in a panic, or the same question, I'll ever notice that when we're in a panic, strangely it seems like God is asleep. You ever felt that before? God, where are you? Jesus himself felt that on the cross. Later in Mark, we'll learn that Jesus himself felt that regarding God. God, I'm here on a cross. I've surrendered my life to you. I'm following you. This is the plan of salvation. But my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What we begin to learn again about Jesus in Mark chapter 4 is Jesus is not only okay with our emotions, but he invites us to be real with our emotions. Verse 38. Jesus was sleeping. I can't get over this little phrase, but how important this little phrase is. Uh, Jesus, not at a time like this. Like, take your nap whenever. Like at break time, maybe. Let's all plan it. Let's do it very strategically. But there is a storm. Not right now. Uh, isn't it interesting how immediately we connect God's apparent inactivity with God not caring for us? You ever felt that? God had some expectation. Basically, that's what fear is. When you talk to sociologists, psychologists, most of them will agree. In fact, I think all of them would agree that fear basically is uh, fear that something won't happen you're afraid because there's some thought in your mind that something is going to happen or an expectation that that thing won't happen. Uh, that's where fear is coming from. Is God far off? Again, if you're not feeling this way, your friends are. <laughs> your friends and family members have gone through this. Is God far off? Does God care? Why is God allowing this to happen to me? I mean, think about Jesus sleeping in the boat. What, what would your response have been? What would you have been thinking? We've been following this Jesus whom we just met. He's claiming to be God. He, he knows the future. He's able to forgive sins. We, we learned that you know, a couple of weeks ago. That he can forgive sins. He can um, 
heal someone. Wow, what is he going to do now? What is this coming down to? Jesus was trusting in God. I'll say that again. Jesus was trusting in God. God's plan for even Jesus was to trust in God's plan for him. The Proverbs, uh, chapter 3 in particular, verse 24, says, If you lie down, that means, that phrase means to rest in God. If you rest in God, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. How many of us have trouble sleeping? I mean, yes, there's physiological reasons for that, I'm sure. But how much of that sleeplessness is due to fear? Jesus in sleeping is not worried. Jesus is not afraid of an upcoming storm. Jesus is resting in God. He believes in God. He's trusting in God's plan as he's sleeping there. Verse 38 as the storm begins to rage and looks out of control, and in fact, in their reality, it is out of control. They are going to drown in their reality at that moment in the story. Verse 38, if you look at it, it says the disciples woke him up. They didn't do it nicely. Hey, this is Jesus. We should have some respect in the way that we... They did it shouting at him. Look, look at the text. It says they, they were shouting at Jesus. Teacher... And again, they don't just say teacher. There's an assumption here. Teacher, read it with me. Don't you care that we're about to drown? And I would suggest that that's your response and that's my response. When I'm panicking, when you're panicking, when all hell is breaking loose or it appears that way, there's an assumption that God isn't fixing this right now. He must not exist. I knew it. This whole thing must have been a joke. The disciples wake him up shouting. Uh, honest interaction with God is what's involved in this Come Follow Me, this series that we're in, Come Follow Me. And we said over the next 16 weeks, we'll be uh, looking at each chapter and, and learning a new installment with each episode of what it truly means to come follow Jesus. Part of what it means in chapter 4 is honest communication. They woke him up shouting. They woke him up shouting. What this means is it's okay, it's normal, it, it's even part of your humanity, my humanity, to experience fear and to feel that panic. But again, we're getting invited to direct that towards a God who exists and a God who's with you right in the middle of it. Not to sort of calculate, ah, oh, because I have troubles, because the world is just, there's so much going on, there must not be a God. Or even worse, in that line of thinking, there is a God, and that God doesn't care. Honest communication with God. Again, I turn to the Psalms. I, turn, I invite you to go to the Psalms when you really, really want to see how the biblical characters interact with God. Turn to the Psalms. And they are not afraid in the way that they deal with their own emotions. Psalm 69, I'll cite that one. Psalm 69, I'll read a few verses from it. The psalmist says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. 
But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, oh God, answer me with your sure salvation. Don't let the floodwaters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Please, Lord, don't hide your face from me. Answer me quickly, for I'm in trouble. I hope that gives you hope. I hope that you see that amidst all other religions and all other choices we have regarding our suffering and our panic, that Christianity, following Jesus, there's something so uniquely, drastically different being offered. Pour it out, we were just saying. Pour it out, not even the best part of it. Pour it out, whatever it is inside of you, whatever those emotions are. Verse 39, as the story unfolds, what is Jesus going to do? We, we, we arouse him, he's awake now, and well, what is he going to do? And this is about the time when we start listening to the story and we think, I, I have a feeling I know what Jesus is going to do. He, he, he's going to reprimand them, not for waking them up, but they're, they're so weak. I mean, come on, I've done all these miracles in front of you. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I've done all the miracles. I've been healing people. You've been following me. And now you're afraid like this? This is going to be a horrible marketing strategy, guys. Get it together. Some of us actually think and feel that that's the way Jesus looks at us. You've been in those conversations. I've been in those conversations during the week here in San Francisco. That feeling of that is how Jesus looks at me. I better get my act together. I want you to notice in verse 39 that Jesus rebukes the storm. Not us. That's powerful. Go back and reflect on that later. But Jesus rebukes the storm. He doesn't rebuke and, and ridicule them for their lack of faith or, or their fear. He understands that that's their humanity. He rebukes the storm and says to the storm, the storm, silence, be still. And it says, suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Now this is about the time when we listen to a sermon or a story like this that we ask the question, so why suffering? Why suffering? I'm not going to try today to answer that one other than to say uh, there are very mysterious reasons why God allows suffering. And how you answer that question is really uh, contingent upon who you're talking to. When you ask that question, why suffering? Um, I think all of us would agree that suffering is inevitable. You can't escape it. No one is immune from suffering or fear in this life as we know it, as a human being. And that we shouldn't be surprised by suffering. We shouldn't be surprised when fear or literally a storm happens in your life out of nowhere. I did all the right things, as karma would say. If karma were answering the question, why suffering? They would say, you know why storm is coming in your life? You hadn't played your cards right. You need to be more responsible. Yikes. That philosophy sounds harsher than the storm itself. Um, secularism wants to teach us basically that you're free to choose whatever makes you happy in this life. Therefore, there's no point in suffering. When suffering happens in your life, it's basically um, something tangential. It shouldn't have happened. It's random. Um, 
There's no point in it. And again, among all religions and philosophies, Christianity is saying that it's not that good circumstances mean that you're gonna that God is pleased with you and you're gonna have a blessed life with no trouble. That's not what Christianity teaches. You could be doing good, following Jesus, and yes, a storm come out of nowhere and hit you like you didn't expect. Yet the difference here is that there's room to express our sorrow and room for a God who's with me to allow me to go through it. Doesn't always rescue me that quickly, but allows me to go through it for some mysterious reason. Verse 40, the story continues. Jesus is now going to ask them a question. So by the way, you caught that, right? The storm's calm. That's where we're at in the story. The storm is totally calm. It's peaceful. There's no waves crashing in the boat. They're not bailing out water anymore. They're not hanging on to the sail. They're not screaming. Verse 40, Jesus asked them a question. Why are you afraid? He didn't yell it at them. He's trying to get them to think and process their fear. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now here's a lesson for us that storms reveal to us where we're at in our faith, don't they? It's easy to believe in God and God's on the shelf. It's easy to believe in God when God is a doctrinal point and we have the answers for Christianity and we're ready to defend the faith, write a book about the faith, but your faith is tested when you're in the storm. That's when it's revealed how mature am I? How, how am I really following Jesus? Is when the storm happens. C.S. Lewis, in his book Grief Observed, writes You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth and falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. Sounds, sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds true. He goes on by saying, it is easy to say that you believe in a rope to be strong and sound <coughs> as long as you are merely using it to cord a box. You know, use it to tie up a box. But suppose that you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted the rope? That's what it means to come follow Jesus. There will be storms. There will be raging storms, inexplicable, unplanned for storms. Jesus is just being very honest with his disciples. I love that about Jesus. Show me the fine print. Let me just see it up front. Don't be a leader that's a little shady and maybe hides some of that stuff. Let's just, let me know what I'm getting myself into here when you say, come follow me. God allows us to go through storms to test our faith. First Peter writing uh, years after this took place in his epistle there, chapter one, says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer various trials so that the authenticity of your faith, which is more precious than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your faith is being tested. You're going through storms. You're going through trials so that, at least in part, your faith might become stronger and so that you and I might indeed 
know this Jesus more intimately than we ever thought we did. And that can't happen unless we go through the very things that Jesus is leading us into, as he's leading those disciples into. So when you think about the process of how you and I work through fear, right? Panic hits, fear hits, and sometimes the response is just like like just an expletive, just damn it, or whatever rage may come upon us as we react to it. Some of us pick up something and throw it. Others of us make a statement, God isn't real. We we make a vow to ourselves. There are all sorts of things, and I'm just trying to invite you to become more aware of what you do as you process fear. And I think for all of us, there may be these three categories that I'm going to present. There's the view of the situation that we're assessing, like how bad is it? Like, if it's real bad, I'm really going to have, you know, reason to get pissed off or angry or let my fear come out. How, how bad is the situation? So view of situation. The second thing is view of self. How competent am I right now in this moment with the resources I have to overcome the situation that I'm in? If I feel competent, if I feel ready, if I feel like I have the resources that I need in that given moment, then I'm probably not going to have as much fear in this circumstance. The third way we process it is our view of God. Our view of God. They do it very well by asking this question. Notice they say, who is this man? That's what I'm inviting you to ask. That's what the text and the story is inviting you and I to ask in the middle of your panic. What's my circumstance? What about myself? How am I doing in this moment? And most importantly, who is this God? Where is this God? I find it interesting that at the beginning of the story, they're afraid. In the middle of the story, there's calmness. Jesus has calmed the storm. And at the end of the story, they're afraid all over again. By the way, I'm not making fun of the disciples. I'm saying we are those people. Check it out. They're afraid. That's the beginning of the story. And that's a good point to mention here, that Jesus uh, doesn't just come into a vacuum. When we even start talking about Jesus to anyone or even ourselves, Jesus doesn't just randomly appear into nothingness. Jesus comes into a context to bring something and someone, namely God's very presence, into that context. Jesus is bringing peace, God's very presence with them in the midst of their fear. So he calms them. Because he is with them. He is peace. Yet at the end of the story, they're terrified. Seems like we didn't make any progress, right? I want you to notice here in verse 41 what they're terrified about. I mean, think about it. Again, be in the story with them. Jesus, just calm the storm. Wouldn't you have been in that boat, like, just, like, high-fiving and, 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 I mean, just going crazy? Break open the bottle of wine. Let's celebrate. Like something amazing has just happened. Did you see what Jesus just did? Or were you asleep? Yet, verse 41 says, I'll read it. The disciples were absolutely terrified. And what I'm trying to present here is that in the beginning, they were terrified of the storm. Now they're terrified of Jesus. And that, too, is part of being a Jesus follower. There is part of who Jesus is that is terrifying. 
yes, we have a nice, gentle, go cuddle with Jesus and get loved on by Jesus, absolutely. But we have a Jesus who can speak to the storm. He can speak to the storm and the storm obeys him. That's terrifying. These disciples have met something more fierce than the storm. Absolutely terrifying. Your faith, I want to say this, that your faith, my faith, can be big or small. But is that the real point of the story? When we read through this, is it really about, well, how much faith do I have? I got a lot of faith, therefore I'm in good shape with God. Oh man, I don't have much faith. I'm not doing so well. Be careful. That's not a good interpretation of the story. To follow the narrative more carefully is to see Jesus as the one who calms the storm, regardless of how big or small your faith is. That's what makes Jesus the hero of the story. Verse 41, they say, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this? I want you to be asking that question this very week when you go through panic and fear and perhaps trembling about what you're going through. Who is this God? Who is this Jesus? In conclusion, I want to say we're all afraid. Every single one of us. Almost like the more you age or maybe the more mature you get, you begin perhaps to even get a little bit more realistic and honest about that fear. And you begin to catch it in someone else's voice. You begin to hear it in your own voice. You see it in your own face when you look in the mirror. You see it in someone else's face. That is who we are. We're afraid. But I want to end with saying real quickly about God's relationship to suffering. God's relationship to suffering. On the one hand, God is stronger than all other gods. And on the other hand, God displays greater weakness than all other gods. Here's what we mean by that. That God is stronger, that God is absolutely sovereign over all human suffering. God is absolutely in control over all calamities, storms that our creation and our world is going through. He's sovereign. That's how he displays his strength and his power over it. Yet, God is weaker, meaning God came into this very world that is corrupt, full of storms, and endured the greatest storm of all, the crucifixion. That's the greatest storm. Here's the gospel coming into this message that Mark is talking about. The greatest storm that anyone ever went through, Christ endured it. That's the gospel message of this story. Christ endured the crucifixion, which was the greatest story that anyone would ever have to endure for you and for me. So let's trust in this God that knows your future, is competent to not only get you out of the storm, but to be with you in the midst of your storm. Let's pray that right now. Father, thank you so much for your ability to bring peace into the middle of our storm. God, we, 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 give, you, we give you praise. Our, our hands are raised. Our, our knees are bowed. We, we fall in surrender to you, King Jesus, because you alone can calm the storm. 
You alone can bring peace. Oh, Father, help us get so real and honest about our fear and about our panic moments. And help us call out to you because at times it does feel like you're asleep. Yet we know that you're not. You're with us. So Lord, increase our honesty, first of all. And then build our faith. Build our faith. Help us truly trust in you. Wait on you. And Lord, for those of us who are truly indeed in a storm right now. Lord Jesus, we call out to you. We shout out to you. Please comfort. Please bring healing. Please let us feel and experience your love right now. God, we thank you that the world is not out of control. We thank you that the story is not out of control. We thank you that the story does not end in death and destruction. But there's hope. There's hope that only you, among all other gods that you give us, through the person of Jesus, we celebrate in his name. Amen. Amen. We're going to celebrate the uh, the Lord's Supper right now. And the, the celebration is essentially what we were just talking about in the sermon. That when you think about all storms, you may think about an emotional storm, any kind of relational storm you've been through, uh, or it may have been a hurricane, <laughs> or an earthquake, or, or any kind of thing like that that you've experienced. I want you to think about the deepest, darkest uh, storm that ever took place, and that was Jesus on the cross. When Jesus, who's there on the cross, bleeding, who's dying, who's paying for your sins and my sins, called out in a prayer to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As if to say, where are you? And yet, our God is so familiar with suffering, he allows his son to suffer and die so that we might be redeemed. That's God's view of suffering. There's a printed prayer here for communion that says, uh, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. That's our moment right now. This is an invitation to connect with God. We've been listening to this story in God's word and we've been singing and praying, but it kind of comes down to this right here. Who who is this God? As the disciples were asking, who is this? So why don't we enter into a, a private prayer time now, each of us with God and let God speak to us. Father, hear our, hear our prayers, and may they be honest ones where we announce our fear to you. And God, we thank you that you're not a God that you would chastise us about our fear, but you would come to us, you would meet us in our fear. And that you can bring calm like we've never known. And that we could experience more and more calm and more and more peace as we experience you and your very presence. Make that real for us. So God, our time of confession, we just want to confess that at many times we are fearful and we don't turn to you. 
we turn to our own resources? Are we assume that because we're in a storm, you don't exist? Forgive us. Hear our prayers. And Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your care and your calm that you bring into our storms. Let us be representatives for you and bring calmness to others as we try to enter into their storm. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.